If you don't buy the Jeff Ward Show merch, dun dun dun, you are a dork. John McClellan is the co-founder and creator of ATX Hot Sauce, now in all 50 states and several retail outlets as well. So what we're going to do today is we're going to let this social media rock star chef uh, walk us through four different sauces, and then I'll taste, and we'll tell everyone why they should buy. You can give the science behind yeah. these, and then I'll make the uh, the simple recommendation. Go to atxhotsauce.com. All right, so let's go. I don't so think heard the website. Yeah, I know. I know. You, Jeff, <laughs> I've never that. Heard yeah, that. Yeah, it is atxhotsauce.com. I'll say 345 times, atxhotsauce.com. So let's do it. Uh, I brought four flavors here, and we're going to test your palate today. Okay. And I only brought four because I didn't think you could handle five yeah, or six. Yes, probably a smart move. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so the first one we're going to try here, it's called Beet Heat. And just like the name implies, beet. It, beet, it has beets in it. It's made with red Fresno peppers. Red Fresnos are uh, red peppers that are uh, they're hotter than a jalapeno and a little bit less than a serrano. So not super hot here. Uh, just a lot of good, really good flavor. So we're going to start All with right. this one, and then we're going to move up the chain. Okay. I've had the beet heat, but okay. Yeah, we're going to try it, though. We're it, goes try it, well, it goes well with a cab. All right, Jeff's savoring beet I'll heat. even do it with you, so that should be all right. Now, remember, it is hot sauce. Yeah. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's hot sauce. Trust me, man. Wait, that one, is that one hot to you? Um, No, no, no. A little. Yeah. The, no. the great thing with the fermentation process is you get a bunch of the flavor right up front. Yeah. And then the heat comes, but then it dissipates pretty quickly, especially with the red Fresnos. You know, this is not a very spicy... Uh, one, but it is um, a very tasty one. Goes on great on sandwiches. Beet heat, beet heat, b e e t heat. All right, go to atxhotsauce.com. That's right. We'll do a Q and A in the audience. Hopefully, you've had enough hot sauce, ATX hot sauce, enough alcohol. Uh, I'll do it as fast as I can to be able to tolerate the next uh, seventeen minutes. Um, we'll do a Q and A in the audience. I know exactly what everyone's to add. I know, I know, I know what's coming up. Where are you going, man? Do you have a job or what are you doing now? I know, I know, it's coming. I get it. How's it going, Jeff? It goes. It goes. That's it. It goes. Next question. So, uh, yeah, I thought I was going to sit here until my agent said he was in Mexico City. And I thought, well, you're not. I don't think I'm working there, man. I don't think that's quite exactly how we had this planned. I thought that I was going to sit here and tell you exactly where this show was going. Because on Friday, it sounded pretty, well, let me be very careful. I've had a lot of career advice, I've noticed, maybe from some of you over the past 30 days. And most of it, to be honest with you, has been pretty bad. Um, because where I come from, when you're negotiating the deal of a career with, I'm going to watch it again, multiple companies, including one of the largest media companies in the United States that's publicly traded, won't say it. When they come to the table, you shut your face and you be quiet and you let it come. You don't talk. You just stay in your lane. So I hope that explains some of it. It's uh, I think within the next week, you'll know something. Yeah. Within the next week, you'll know something. And our little show will be much gets the chance is the great thing. Gets the chance to be much, much larger. I'll leave it at that. 
because I want them all to come to the freaking table. Every one of them. Just keep talking. So, all right. Uh, Q&A. I thought we had Rick Astley ready to go before I started taking questions. Right? Any questions? I answered that so clearly that everyone now knows exactly what's going to happen. You know, I know, I know. wants to ask a political question? Oh, my gosh. Now, Jeff, I know that you're a staunch libertarian, and I'm just curious, in the upcoming elections, who you would support? Got nothing, got nothing, nothing. Got no one. Zero. Okay. They've left us all. They've left us behind. No. Okay, here, think about this, and I'm not, and I'd, Would Matthew McConaughey win right now? No. You sure? Yeah. I think he might. I think he might. Why? I think he might. Why? Because he's not Greg Abbott. And you know what else? Because he's not Beto. He would win, I think. And I wouldn't, you know, you guys have listened to me. Um, I thought... What happened to you, Val? No, he's not a libertarian. There's no such thing anymore. Uh, we don't have third parties. We don't have fourth parties. We don't have... We only exist in a political world, as many of you have known many times, not them. That's it. We're reduced down to not them. We're not about a plan. We're not about an idea. Agree or disagree. We're not about a strategy. We're not about any nuance whatsoever. We're about... Just not them. I hate them. Hate is easier than thinking, right? Yep. And we become a country, a TikTok country of just hate someone else. That's easy. I can drop enough F-bombs. I'll just hate them. So, no, I mean, there is no place anymore. But it does, the McConaughey thing, because sadly because of Uvalde and because of the speech that he gave at the White House, which was something no one, no one else could give that kind of speech. No one else could cut through the clutter. No one else could make you feel like that. It makes me wonder somewhere, somehow, like it or not, I'm not telling you what to think. I don't care. Like it or not, I wonder if somebody doesn't say, Beto, you got to leave now, man. Get out of here now. We got a winner. I just wonder. And I wouldn't blame the Democrats for saying, I'm sorry, Beto, once again, it didn't quite work out for you. Keep trying, buddy. He's like that kid in dodgeball, man. That guy gets hit in the face every game. He loses. But he just keeps coming back. I just wonder if somebody said, McConaughey, let's go. And I think Greg Abbott would be terrified. I think he might lose. I don't think it'll happen. And that's not your question at all. But my point is, there's no such thing as politics. There's no such thing as taxes. There's no such thing as war. There's none of that stuff now. It's not them. And McConaughey, to me, is the ultimate not him. If that makes sense. Yeah. Sadly, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's, 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 the, he's the best in a world now. What's amazing now, where in my business, as a lot of you know, in my business, what's amazing is to see in a world where you're overexposed, and they are, and they suck at communications. They suck. Like Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton would run circles around these morons now, but what they're really good at is dumbed-down third-grade rhetoric. They're really good at it. Stuff that Ronald Reagan or Bill Clinton would have never said. They could complete a sentence. They could actually convince you of something for a change. Now it's just F you hate them, and that's good enough. 
McConaughey, without even trying, just my theory right now, I would be terrified if I was Team Abbott that somebody on Team Democrat got a hold of Beto and said, Beto, we're shutting you down. That guy is not you. But would not McConaughey run as a No, because he's not, and he wouldn't win because there's no such thing anymore. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. We will, I don't know that we'll ever get back to third parties mattering. I really don't know. I don't think we will. We're so far removed from Ross Perot and mattering. And again, it doesn't matter what your political perspective is. And you guys have heard me make this rant countless times. But you would be pissed if you went to the store and there were two brands of toothpaste. You'd go punch someone in the face. Look what, look what we live in now. Our lawmakers live with two brands of toothpaste. And they don't even say or do anything. They're just, I hate the other guy. And everyone just hate with me. And that's what both sides have become. The disappointing thing... Let's see. Yeah, I'll say it. The disappointing thing with McConaughey is, and I get that his speech was great. I get that he was passionate. I get that he's from Uvalde, and it's a great place, and it's a tragic story, and all those were legitimate feelings. I'm not minimizing that. What's disappointing is nobody comes to the table anymore and makes the rest of us think. Nobody says, you know what? That guy doesn't say jack. He doesn't do jack. He doesn't move your taxes. He doesn't move the needle. He doesn't do anything except get you all pissed off. Do you really care about your taxes or not? Do you really care about war or not? So if so, let me talk to you. I don't think that exists anymore. And frankly, I don't think it's ever going to exist again because of the media world we live in, which is now reduced down to TikTok videos. Just, just, Just be pissed is all you have to do now. Just be pissed enough and make your followers really pissed and you'll be fine. There. Nothing makes us different from dictatorships. We're, we're nothing, nothing. Um, the, the, the appeal of, the, the, the comment was, what makes us different than dictatorships? I, I think we just, if you could come up with a different name for it, we'd do it right away. It's, uh, it's, it's, the dictatorship is not a dictatorship, it's take me back to the old days. It's, I want to go back. I don't like the way this market is moving. I don't like disruption in the economic world. I don't even like those people being more involved in my world. Could you please take me back to 1975 is the Republican Party of today. And it works. The Democratic Party of today is not that. All right, next question. Hey, hey Jeff. Ten, hey. Tangentially related to oh, this. Oh, my. Assuming that there, tangentially related. <laughs> that there are uh, re- redeemable qualities to any politician. None. Do you think Dr. Ron Paul is maybe the most redeemable or best politician, in American politician of the last, I don't know, 100 years? Redeemable? You mean Ron Paul like 40 years ago? Um I mean, I mean, Ron may, Paul may, as of last weekend yeah, when yeah, he spoke. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, um, poor Ron's gone into Joe Biden territory. You gotta, you know, drooling on yourself is not okay. Um, I, I, I wish there was more chaos and disruption. I don't care if you're libertarian, green, yellow, Martian. There has to be total disruption, and nobody can disrupt the system. Ron Paul came close. Ross Perot came really close, and that was only 20%. And think how far removed we are from 20% of disruption. I'm not saying you have to love their politics. What I'm saying is you've got to like disruption. Every other industry succeeds because of total disruption. This whole city succeeds because someone in their garage is going to kick your ass with a better invention. 
Politics works just the opposite. We don't encourage disruption. So I loved Ron Paul. Heck, at one time before he became a sellout jackass, I even was fine with Rand Paul, but he became that. He wasn't about disrupting. He was about, I want to get reelected. You want to get reelected like any one of us would want to get reelected because I want to increase my net worth by 25% and I want my job forever. We would all sell out the same way. The problem with American politics is us. They're a mirror of us. They're a creation of us. Every other aspect of our life in industry and economics is about disruption. Politics is just the opposite. It's about simplicity and hate, and that's good enough for me. So I wish there was a Ralph Nader, a Ron Paul, uh, what was Jill Stein? I mean, go down the list. I mean, I wish there were ten of them fighting it out, eating away at the establishment. Would be the healthiest thing that would happen to us. And the only way that happens is someone like McConaughey to raise hell, and he's not doing it. He's giving nice speeches. He feels good, but he's not about to say they suck. Here's a better way. Hey, everybody. That's dumb. Let me tell you about your taxes. Hey, everybody, let me tell you about insider trading and politics. Hey, everybody, that system is corrupt, and let me tell you how to change it. He's not even a disruptor, and that's too bad because that's the only thing, Ron Paul or not, Rand Paul or not, Jill Stein or Ralph Nader or not, is the only thing ever going to change it, and it's not going to happen. All right, next question. Oh, my. Uh, this, is Jeff, taking, this is taking a turn. Uh, we're, we're on the same page with Caillou. But I, I wanted to know, can you give me three concrete examples of why you think he's such a punk ass? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First of all, the song would break down a terrorist. Right? FBI, FBI negotiators should use the Caillou song to break them. So there's the song. There is also the evidence that I noticed one day. I walk by the TV and I say, oh, my God, that's offensive. That kid is a whiny little, he's a whiny little jerk and teaching my kids no good lessons. But I realized I saw something in the sandbox. It looked like a knife. And I believe at that moment, that was when I knew that Caillou killed his neighbor and then ultimately (laughs) killed his parents. It was episode 26, 2004. There. There's three examples. You want more? Okay, next question. Um, so I think maybe uh, it's not really my question, but maybe you know, the turning point of when we lost the third party was uh, the question was, what's Aleppo? Wait, what? What's Aleppo? When we were- yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, why did it happen this way? Why did politics turn out this way? I'm going to get too serious again. Damn it. See, this is what this staff fights all the time. Do not let him get serious. Do not let him be that boring, raging white guy. Um, I wonder when. I don't know. I think, I think the flame out of Ross Perot. Um, and I think the creation of Trump... Trump didn't do this. I I swear he didn't do this. Um, He came along and was hijacked by an industry that says, that dude will say anything. Hire him. He'll say F you. Yeah, and Trump would say F you. Just like me and I'll say F you. I'll do whatever anyone wants that cheers for me. And I think think Trump just fast-tracked 
the dumbed-down world we lived in. I think he just got fast-tracked. And the Democrats didn't help by saying, well, hire that old white guy because he's not him. Yeah, look where we are. So I didn't answer your question. Next question. Mid, mid-80s. Yeah, uh-oh. Uh, uh, UTOU. It was rainy. It was miserable. I was there. Fred, God, God bless his poor little pointy head. But anyway, but Fred went for the tie. Yeah. And I think, I'm not sure, Yeah. but I think you kicked the, the tie. Yeah, okay. So uh, <laughs> I just did an interview the other day. Um, I'm going to tell, tell you about, it was the most, I had, I had a great chance to play in a lot of meaningful games. God, I miss those days. Remember those days when they were meaningful? Like, wouldn't it be nice to have one meaningful game where you go, it wouldn't it be great just for this game to matter for a change, like a trophy? Like a trophy, just a trophy for a change would be really nice. Um, so I did an interview the other day with, uh, and it was, it was, you know, it was a long-winded discussion about my career, my thoughts on stuff. When Oklahoma and Texas played, it was one versus two. We had just gone to Penn, the Meadowlands to play Penn State. So it was, the, it was the greatest speech I've ever, and I'm not a big fan of speeches. I would sleep before games. I didn't need, you didn't need to talk to me about anything. It didn't matter. I'm just going to go do what I do. But it was the greatest speech of all time. So Fred Akers, you call him a pinhead, I believe. Um, Fred gets up. That's fair. Um, Fred gets up on the bench. That day, whoever was number one and we were number two, Nebraska got beat or something like that. He climbs up on the bench. We're in the Meadowlands, and he takes his hat off. And he says, uh, you know, the Meadowlands was sold out for the first time for a college game ever. Like, all of us are going, whatever. That's it? That's all we got today? He goes, because Texas is here. Put his hat on. We beat him 34-3. Played Oklahoma the next week. That week, I spent with a reporter from Sports Illustrated. He was going to spend a week with me, like what the week is like leading up. Now, thank God he didn't stay with me that night. But uh, so it was crazy, man. And it was the craziest environment and the most chaotic, poorly played, but amazing football game I've ever been around in my life. It was out of control. It was full of anger. It was full of chaos. It was a spectacular train wreck. And so we get late in the game, and uh, it's raining like hell. We're one, they're two. We're going at it. Um, and so we get down on their end, and I, I, I'm going to walk out so the ABC camera, because they know, they know when a field goal is coming up to win a game, they're like stuck in your ear hole, Right. So they follow you everywhere, and you can't get them away because they want to show, are you scared? Are you weird? What's going on? So they follow you around for like five minutes knowing it's going to lead up to the end of the game. So uh, the guys, you know, they're following me around. I don't care. So I walk up to the front because you always have these conversations on a game-winning field goal. And the coach says, hey, look, where, where do we have to get? What do you need, Jeff? So we would have that conversation. We went up. I had that conversation with Fred. I said, hey, Fred. You know, get, the ball weighs seven pounds, but you get to here, we're good to go, okay? He goes, got it. 
So we get out there. We get down to whatever Oklahoma's 30 or 25, whatever it is. So I assume it's seven seconds left on the game. I start walking out. He goes, what are you doing? I said, man, we're kicking. He goes, the hell we are. I said, are you crazy? I stopped. And the, and the guy who was a tailback for us named Rob Morshell was the holder. He goes, stay here. I go, hell oh, I'm not walking that sideline. We've got to kick now. Fred goes, no, nope, we're going to run another play. We throw in the end zone. The stadium goes psychotic. It's a battle for the ball. One section thinks it's intercepted. The other thinks it's, it's interference. I'm walking out there. As I walk out on the field to just end this game, get it over with, and it's a weird feeling because everyone hates that you're there. It's like, you just suck. Man, what are you doing here? This isn't fun. And so everyone's booing. About that time, Barry Switzer almost knocks me over on the field to chase the referee. He gets caught up in all the coaching cords, so he's flopping around on the ground, screaming F-bombs at the referee. And so my whole, my deep snapper comes over. He goes, hey, Jeff. He goes, man, he goes, we don't have a dry ball. I said, well, that's great news, man. Find one. So he goes, I don't have a towel either. All this chaos is going on. Guys are fighting. F-bombs are being dropped. You know, in football, all you hear on the field is F-bombs and car wrecks. It's all it is. It's not a healthy place to be. So this chaos is going on. I'm watching this happen. You got Barry Switcher's gone psychotic. You got the referee guys are in his face. We can't get guys out of the end zone. I'm telling my guy, it's raining. Just find me a dry ball. We snap it. We kick it. It goes through. Ball guy comes up to me. He said, hey, Jeff, you want the game ball? Because they always give you these game balls after game winners or whatever. And you keep them. And so I go, thanks. I go, hey, man. I go, you, you, you ran a ball in here that weighed 12 pounds. I go, I'm lucky that thing even made it there. And he, I, I go, where did this ball come from? And I flip it over. It says Oklahoma on it. <laughs> so a couple years later, we're playing Oklahoma. <laughs> a couple years later, we're playing Oklahoma. And I hear this guy. He's yelling my name. Ward, Ward, get your ass over here. Man, who's yelling at me in pregame? I look over, it's Barry Switzer. He goes, come here, man. I said, Barry, how are you? I, some, at some level, he was crazy as he was. There's something endearing about Barry Switzer. Even playing against him. There's just something so chaotic about Barry Switzer that I loved. So he calls me over. He goes, son, how freaking long have you been playing? <laughs> I said, go, it's just only my fourth year. He goes, damn, you've been here forever. Patted me on the head. It's nice, nice knowing. He said, coach, thanks. It was the nicest thing anyone could have done. I said, oh, by the way, coach, you got to tell me, man. A couple years ago, did you sneak in a ball? John McClellan is the co-founder and creator of ATX Hot Sauce, now in all 50 states and several retail outlets as well. So what we are doing is we are walking through four different hot sauces. So the social media rock star chef walks us through the sauces and why you should buy using Jeff as the... It was the guinea pig. Guinea pig. And holding yeah, up pretty well, today. I might add. So well, we have 10 flavors. I could have been mean, but I, I thought I'd start out a yeah, little bit small. Right. You know, it's like starting with box wine instead of going All right, right so to Cabernet. Remember, go to atxhotsauce.com. So we've walked our way through. We're at four now. Beet heat, five pepper, smoked pi- five pepper, habanero, the juice. Juice. Now we're at honey bee hot. Okay. And uh, the way we make this is pretty unique. We take garlic. And we ferment it in natural honey for three months. So instead of using a saltwater brine for the fermentation, we actually use honey, which is one of the oldest uh, fermentation techniques in in like 10,000 years old. That's how they made mead. And we take the honey 
and the garlic, ferment for three months, and we take fermented habaneros, and we blend that all together. Okay. Does this go well with the Cabernet? This does not go well with the Cabernet. So <laughs> wine 101 is that we need to understand that hot foods don't go. go well, that's kind of. That's yeah. Kind of yeah, let's uh, let's don't. Let's don't hurt the host here. No, a little be, bit lighter. Be, okay. All right. So what's this again? I'm about to Honey have? Honey be hot. I think I've had this. Okay, let's try All it. right. Right up front, you'll get the sweet and the garlic. Got the sweet big time. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Isn't that good? Nice. Not too hot. Give it a second. Mm. It's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. It's pretty freaking hot. Yeah, it's, it's going to get you here in about a you minute. Think? We'll probably don't have enough time for it to really get you. You think it's going to get me in a minute? Not now? Maybe in 30 seconds. It or may so. have just hit me now. Yeah. Yeah. He's having a good time with that, aren't you? I really am. Fact, I wish, I, I, wish right I brought the red ghost with me. <laughs> well, in the front end, it's delicious. Yes. Now, a minute and a half in. <clears throat> Your forehead's beating up just you a think? bit. You think? Yeah. Just a bit. All right. That's ATXHotsauce.com. I'm going to curl up in a ball now. He goes, Wart, I'm not that smart. <laughs> All right, Barry. <laughs> Anything else? Next, next question. Here we go. Hey, Jeff, it's John. Yeah. Thanks for the wine. You're welcome. Is it good? Very. It's Cabernet. Yeah, I know. It's Cabernet. In, in June, it's 101, it's, and you're drinking uh, Cabernet. John, the best thing for hydration on a 107-degree day is a big Napa cap. <laughs> That's what every athlete knows. That's a wordism for sure. That's a wordism. <laughs> That's right. So I have a hard question for you. Ah. Uh, Crap. I read it by your producer, so I'm going to ask anyway. Um, I, I was talking to my girlfriend's sister today, who loves you, by the way. Follow you for 20 years. Yeah, libertarian, just just right on there. A- anarchist. That's what I say yeah, she's now. An anarchist. Yeah. I, was, I was on a show a few days ago. They said, "What is your political persuasion, man?" I said, "Anarchist." Yeah, that's me. Burn it in the streets, man. Whatever. Trust nobody. So, Absolutely. my question to you is. And this is what everybody asks when I say that we are friends. Yeah. What happened? Which part of what happened? What happened? <laughs> what happened at that mythical place over there in North Austin? That's the big question all my friends Yeah, okay. So, uh... Question. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. It's cool. It's cool. You know, I can say a lot. It's, uh... You mean KLBJ? Yeah. All right, Waterloo, so... Waterloo. Yeah. I work there now, so no. Uh, oh. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> You're paid well, huh? Um, so what was it, 20 years, 20 years at KLBJ, I think, right? When they hired me, I'd been in. Yeah. So I, I, I'll, now that I'm old, I can tell this stuff and feel pretty good about it. So I, I reluctantly got into radio. Up until about two and a half years ago, I still didn't believe I was going to do talk shows. I fought it like crazy, never was comfortable with it, always had two and three other jobs just because I thought, is that what I do? I I don't do that. It can't be my career. Well, 20 years I'm doing it, it was my career. So I started at KVET, I guess it was, um, and... The boss used to press his face against the glass every day. And he would say, hey, why aren't you talking about sports? And I said, hey, why don't I talk about whatever I want? 
That's what I'm going to do. And he goes, well, we didn't hire you for that. I said, I bet it works. Sure enough, about a year into it, a friend calls me, and he says, he was a swimmer at UT, he was a lawyer. He says, hey, Jeff. He goes, you want me to represent you? I go, yeah, I'm getting these job offers. I don't know what it's about. I think it's BS. But I'm going to write down a number, and if somebody pays it, tell them I'll do it. He calls me the next day. He says, this was 1999-ish, eight, something like that. I'm one, seven months into radio. I have no idea what I'm doing. My first radio show, I said, I have no idea what I'm doing right now, just so you know. Okay, we're going to screw around for a while. So the, he tells me, he goes, Jeff, I not only got you what you want, you're in Austin. So I go, I don't believe that. That's BS. You tell whoever the boss is, they have to hire me face-to-face. Sure enough, he goes, they're coming to our office tomorrow, man. <laughs> oh, crap. I was vice president of an advertising agency teaching in the MBA program at St. Ed's. The last thing I thought I would do was do a radio show. Sure enough, they paid me. And we signed the contract, and at the time, I guess it would have been MS Broadcasting, which I think the world of these guys, and they're kind of involved now. Um, and uh, I said, man, you do know I don't know what I'm doing. And this guy, president of MS, says, you better effing learn. And he walked out. So I did 20 years at KLBJ. They went from 17 to 1. Um, in four years and stayed at one for decades. What do you mean? They ran me out. (laughs) Then they ran me out. And I had no problem getting, well, it wasn't ideal to get run out. Um, Somebody bought the company. Somebody bought the company from the people I worked with for 20 years who loved what I did, got it, and they believed in that fearless. Remember, not everyone believes in being fearless. A lot of people, as you all know, like to micromanage. When you do what I do, you can't do that. And I used to say, please, I'll bet my job on it. Trust me on this. A few years ago, before the company sold, I said, stop that stupid traffic and weather. Tell people to stick their head out the window. Who cares? Well, we do it that way. I said, i tell you what. If I'm wrong, if the numbers don't go up, fire me. Go ahead, fire me. They said no. And I remember at that moment, this was two years before I left, saying way too much, by the way. I said, (laughs) we're Sears. We're going to die. We're all going to die here. You know that, right? Oh, boy, that's awkward. This is awkward. You guys know we're going to die, right? We're going to sit here and not change, and we're going to die. And I'm not going to die with you. So I'm not taking a pay cut. Sorry. Somebody buys the company, says, I don't like it. I want it to be different. I say, you know me, you owe me for a year. Yep, have a nice day. It's your company. I get it. I'm fine. I'm going fly fishing in Vegas. Woo! So, I mean, um, so I, I don't, I'm not even that bitter about it. I mean, it's, somebody buys a company, can run it the way they want, particularly in that business. You know, it's like buying a strip mall somewhere. Go run it the way you want. I, I'm not all that bitter about it. I'm sad. I'll tell you what I'm sad about. It was a missed opportunity. You know, we had built that audience up, and that's what I am frustrated with because we built that audience up. It had been a different kind of audience. It was an Austin audience. And I used to say, guys, you're doing an Austin show. Why do you want me to talk to Rockdale? I don't care. And they don't like me, and I don't like them. 
I'm sitting in the middle of a million people. Let's go. Let's do this. Or awake. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was just a complete, well, ex- expense-wise, I was not a good fit. And politically, I was very much not a good fit. And that's, that's okay, too. Yeah, I, I can accept that. You buy the business, you do whatever you want. I'll, I'll kick your ass later. Yeah. I got paid. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, not, no. I'm not, okay, last not doing question. That. Yeah. <laughs> We're not doing that. Two more that. questions. We're it's not it. doing that. Oh, who's your favorite bassist or bass line? Ooh, man, bassist. I don't know. Is the guy from Van Halen dead? No. Which one? Yeah. Who's left? Uh, Michael, well, Michael Anthony. Michael Anthony is it, and it's Jamie's crying, and that's it. Well, look at that. Two more questions. Yep. Final answer. I have a question. Um, you are raising those um, children in the Gen Z millennial like mix. I have a lot of generations. You do, yes. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about the Gen Z population and how they're going to affect the next 20 years. Yeah, so I've noticed this with college students. Um, And nobody likes to hear this when I talk about my experience with college students. They are so nice and so soft. Like They're just nice and soft. Um, And it's at one hand you go, gosh, you're nice. Wait. As, when I got fired one time in the NFL, the coach told me, he goes, you know, Jeff, what it's like to get fired in this business? And I said, well, what would that be, coach? It's my third time now out of two weeks. He goes, you learn to live with a bloody nose. It is a, um, it's a passionate generation, a righteous generation, shockingly righteous, very, very attached to a lot of things that we would have never been attached to. Um, So what does worry me is you're a little soft. I have these students that would give these presentations. And so my rule in class is you have 10 minutes and I'm leaving. You better tell me in 10 minutes because the world doesn't care about you and they don't care to listen to anyone for more than 10 minutes. So you know what's going to happen? I'm going to let my phone ring. I'm going to walk out of here. If you do that, the years that I've taught, it's a generation where, one, they've never made a B, and they freak out about a B, and it bothers them to make a B. And number two, they hate chaos. Hate it. And as we all know, and I know this is going to sound old, but we live in chaos. You prosper in chaos. Creative chaos is what we do for a living. And it's a generation that has had, and I'm one of the parents that does it, a bunch of soccer cones and juice boxes. (laughs) Everything is organized. Everybody has a uniform. Everybody has a coach. And nobody plays in the streets. And guess what it's produced? Really nice, polite, I'm going to follow the rules, but God forbid you bloody my nose generation. And I don't know what to do about it because I'm one of the helicopter parents that's creating the problem. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I own it. I own it. Um, And they're so righteous and so sincere and so caring. And my God, they never make bees. I think you're freaking out over a bee. It was a miracle if I wasn't hung over in this class. And they hate it. 
Last question, yeah. and then a final, 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 final bonus question after bonus. this. Um, I think you're really, really great on your own, but I absolutely loved you with Ed Clements. <laughs> I, I really, yeah, I, I love, yeah. I love the banter oh, I and get it. the picking on each other, but in a uh, respectful way, and it was fun. And I was just yeah. wondering two things: Do you keep? in touch with him and do you see yourself working with anybody like that again um no is the second question because the it doesn't the business doesn't work that way now um anymore um trust me i'm in the middle of it now and it is find a podcasting studio go find two million downloads and you better be good and we're going to pay you a bunch of money to do it it is a um it's a saturated world now um i think the world of ed Ed softened me in ways that I really needed as a host, which I'm, that's my worst thing, is, um, you know, I've learned that over time. Wow, Ward, they can't take much more. They're not that serious, man. Um, and Ed was brilliant, absolutely brilliant at softening me and making fun of me and turning it into something really creative, and I think the world of him. Um, but we live, we're about to live in really different worlds um, you know, he's still in radio and I'm not going to be again ever. Um, so do I, do I stay in touch with him? Absolutely. Yeah. we we just sent text messages the other day. Um, yeah. So I think, I think the world of the guy, I, I can't think of that many, I can't think of that many enemies I've made. I mean, the audience might want to kill me. Um, right, Thomas, they want to, I've once at one, I, should I say it? Dude. Thomas and I used to work together. I walk in a studio. This, this, is, this is what's not cool about the business. Um, it's what's not cool about the business. And I'm not kidding when I say they don't disagree with you. They want you to die. And he came to kill me. And uh, we never told anybody. Um, I walk in the studio a minute and a half before I'm supposed to go on the air, which is what I do. Okay, 30 seconds before the light comes on, and I look around, there's 12 cops, 15 cops. They're across the glass from me. I sit down, start the show, blah, 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 blah. And I say, could somebody tell me while the police are staring at me right now? They come filing in and said, we need to find someone. He's come to kill you. And he made it in the building. And uh, so, okay, go about the show. This is great, guys. Two cops sitting next to me. Uh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. We're looking for him. I mean, you haven't found him. We go to commercial break. You haven't found him yet. No, we don't know where he is. So I have to call my house and say the police are out in front because of this. Um, and they ultimately I'm, I'm driving around because I can't go home so they follow me around as I leave the show because we don't know where he is um, and I can't go home because he's gonna he may be following you too and then I get a call there was a chase I don't know if they shot him yeah yeah so there was a chase and they caught him hey Jeff the police call and say it's okay to go home now great so I get home 
Hmm. Hey, Thomas, what happens when that guy gets out of jail? He thinks I'm the one that got him arrested. So that lunatic, um, I don't know why I told you that story. That was a terrible thing to say. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, the downside of the business, the creative part, the fun part, the just we're going to screw around kind of part. You realize the most dangerous thing out there now is, how do I say this politely? God told me to kill you, so I will. I mean, it's, I, I know exactly what those letters, there's some letters that are mean, there's some letters that you suck, there's some letters I hate your show, I mean, that stuff's fine. It's that one that you can sense it in a heartbeat, and almost every time, it's one age group, one demographic, and they think it's their righteous position to kill you, not fire you, to kill you, and it's terrifying. How's that for uplifting? On a lighter note. Let's do a lighter note. The finale question. Yeah. Hey, Jeff. Congratulations on After Hours. Great show. Yeah, thanks, man. Great show. Thanks. Uh, If your rock star team and producers can get Matthew McConaughey on one of the next After Hours, will you tell him what you told us tonight? Yes, absolutely. Right on. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure... For a while there, we kind of we, you know, we were at school at the same time, right? We went to the same drunken frat parties. Um, and I'm pretty sure because I had a guest on. I don't know how many people caught this at one time with McConaughey. Roy Spence is one of the smartest people I know, one of the most successful business people I know, one of the curators of great business, runs GSD&M. He was on, and I asked him about McConaughey. And he laughed at me, and he said, I can't say anything about that. So somebody is managing this guy. Somebody really smart is managing this guy. So here's the problem for someone like McConaughey or Beto or Greg Abbott. I'm toxic to them. They want no part of me. I'm not going to... I don't tell them what I'm going to ask them. I don't allow them to have hangers-on come in the studio ever, ever. No consultants ever. Get the hell out of my room. I want to talk to you they want no part of that, and we live, sadly, whether it's McConaughey or Abbott or Ted Cruz or Beto, we live in a media world now where they don't have to take risks. They don't have to walk in and ever talk to me and wonder, what's that, that guy's going to tear me apart. Their only risk is someone like me. So they're going to go where it's safe. And even for McConaughey, unfortunately, I say this unfortunately because I think it would be a great conversation. I'd love to talk about Wooderson all night long. <laughs> Um, I think even for McConaughey, he's going to say, politically, my calculation is that dude's going to come at me. It's going to ruin, it'll throw me off. The only risk in media now is a bad story. So just avoid them. Go to Fox News or go wherever. They'll kiss your ass. All right, I think that's it. That's it. And it is true. I tried to get better on the show, he said. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I bet you... How do I say this? I, I bet you hear something about this show. We're going to be doing these series of shows once a month here. Um, so we decided to do that. Who knows? We may be doing a podcast back there. And I'll bet you hear a story about some media company and Jeff Ward very, very soon. Thanks for coming. Don't buy the Jeff Ward Show merch. Dun, dun, dun. You are a dork.